This holiday season, your gift could change lives. Youth facing homelessness turn to Covenant House to overcome heartbreaking challenges. They arrive with dreams that have been disrupted. They arrive looking for a warm meal, a safe place to sleep, and the opportunity to transform their lives. For over 50 years, Covenant House has been helping youth in crisis by giving them the support and tools they need to succeed in life. This holiday season, give a gift that changes the lives of youth facing homelessness. Go to covenanthouse.org to give today. The holidays start here at Fred Meyer with a variety of options to celebrate traditions old and new. Whether you're making a traditional roasted turkey or spicy turkey tacos, your go-to shrimp cocktail, or your first Cajun risotto, Fred Meyer has all the freshest ingredients to embrace your traditions. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. We've locked in low prices to help you save big store-wide. Look for the locked in low prices tags and enjoy extra savings throughout the store. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Dog Works Radio is sponsored by Alaska Dog Works. Check out their website at alaskadogworks.com. You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Here's to the adventure-seeking dog mushers out there. The hundreds of you who stand on the runners dreaming and thinking about the Northern Lights. Of course, there is something else you can do if you've got something to say. Start a podcast with First Palm Media and harness your creative side. Maybe even earn enough money. Enough money to tell yourself, hey, I'm not just a dog musher. I'm a rover. I'm a wanderer. I'm a voyager. I'm an explorer. Visit firstpaw.media. Mush on over today. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Canadian Challenge Tales. I am joined by my co-host, Sarah. How are you doing today? I'm good, Dan. Thank you. How are you? Wonderful, thanks. You know, we had a really wonderful race last week between our 10-dog, 8-dog, and 6-dog categories. Um, You know, overall, it seemed like the race went really well. We didn't have any significant uh, issues, challenges, or problems, aside from a GPS tracker alien or two. Um, you know, it seemed to plague a few races this year. Um, any overall thoughts on, on the race to start? I just think it was a really successful race. Um, to be honest, Dan, I thought the, the weather was really interesting. Um, if you look at the Saskatchewan weather the week before the race and the week after the race, we've had some pretty nice temperatures and then race week itself, we're kind of like minus 32 plus wind chill. So the race week itself was really, really cold the majority of the week. And um, that's something that seems to happen nearly every year, I think, which makes for interesting strategies. So that's that's kind of my, my headline, really. Yeah, I, as an organizer, I, I like the cold like that because it becomes a predictable race in the sense that you are not going to have snow. We don't have to worry about sending out trail breakers and, and whatnot. Uh, you know, the race itself, the, the pace is pretty consistent from one checkpoint to the next. So it tends to make things slightly easier from an organizational perspective. But, you know, the mushers certainly don't like it much. And no, no. Uh, the volunteers, it takes a toll on them, too. Well, I think um, the other thing that influences is, is race speed because we didn't have additional snow. The The trail was, was a really fast trail. It was a really well-groomed trail. And it was really fast, um, which, again, makes for some really interesting stories and, and, and interesting race times. Excellent. Well, let's jump into the 10-dog, which uh, we started with 
eight out of the start line at Elk Ridge Resort, and we finished with five. Uh, Jesse Terry was in first place, um, and shortly behind him was Rhonda Hirschap. And then in third, we had Mary England. Fourth was Ragnar Robinson, and the Red Lantern was Garrick Schmidt. So do you have uh, a story or um, some insight that you want to share on the 10-dog race? Well, I was looking at the the stats around how many how many dogs people finished with, really. Um, and Jesse's race time was incredibly fast. I think it was a real challenge keeping ahead of Jesse. Um, and he, over the course of the race, he only he only um, dropped two dogs, so he finished a race with eight dogs. Um, and I'm always astounded at how amazing his family support is so at every checkpoint he had his sister and his children um, and the amount of race support that he has I think is tremendous and I also know that when he finished the race he became Mary's handler for her for, for the for the last hundred miles of her race so what I love about that team is is how supportive they are and how how much they're followed by their social media um, fans as well and I also saw a lovely post from the children's schools just saying how much they'd enjoyed following the race um, and how proud they were um, of, of the two teams that uh, that were involved. So so for me, it was it was wonderful to see Jesse and Mary again um, and to see the impact that they have on the race. Yeah, it really was quite quite a show to watch um, Jesse and a couple of the checkpoints very efficient um, in what he was doing and had a clear strategy, although he didn't say much about it. Um, and yes, it's it's excellent to see that support. I mean, you saw the same thing with Rhonda and her family, you know, with her husband Andy handling and her two kids there as well. Mm. You know, it seems to be, um, you know, a, a trend through uh, the 10 dog race itself. Um, you know, obviously Mary and, and Jesse together and their family, and then to see Ragnar's crew you know, his parents and his wife and, you know, some family friends at the finish line at, you know, six o'clock, whatever it was in the morning when he finished, um, you know, was really uh, impressive to see. Well, I think it was fantastic to see Ragnar finish because I know he he competed last year and and didn't actually finish the race. So to see him finish and finish um, with eight dogs um, was fantastic. And his time was was good. His time was fast. it was wonderful to see that he didn't get the red lantern, um, unlike Sid, who was his who is his father and who was handling for him. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think I think he was really proud of that achievement. Yeah, and and again, keeping with the the family theme, having Garrett come in in the red lantern on on Friday, um, you know, to see his um, his family there as well, and and others from the community to support him was was really touching. Uh, as as far as uh, you know, all of the support throughout the year that that people don't get to see, um, you know, and, and nice to see that out at the race and and particularly the finish line in Mississippi. Agreed, and I think the the entourage that came with Garrick and 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 the Eagle Ridge sled sled dog tour kennel. I mean, don't forget they also had the Musha Mo um, was representing Garrick's kennel as well. Dexter Monda was was handling for about four different teams. I think <laughs> it made me laugh to see how many how many handlers bibs he was wearing. But I think that whole that whole community around Eagle Ridge was tremendous. Um, and 
I know Garrick had a fairly long layover in, in Larange before deciding to, to press on. And I think it was his, his team and his, you know, his handlers that, that, that actually got him through to the finish. Um, so, so kudos to all of them, really. Yeah, absolutely agreed. You know, I think everybody understands that mushing and, and racing dogs is not something you can do on your own. You know, the races, we typically see the musher and the handler and you don't get to see all of that support. And it's so nice to see, you know, the family and friends and the whole supporting cast show up and, and get to be a part of that fun. So really fantastic to see out there. Um, so that was the 10 dog race. Uh, the eight dog race was, you know, has a little bit of a different story to it. Again, we had five competitors in the eight dog race and uh, out in front was Jessica Reimer, then Jillian Lawton, Lane Lawton, Kevin Lewis, and in the Red Lantern, Aiden Torres. Uh, any insight on the eight dog race? This was a fascinating race to follow, um, partly because we had a couple more tracker aliens. So at one point, we weren't quite sure where a couple of the teams were, and they surprised us at the end. But uh, the, the, for me, the really interesting battle was between Jessica and Jill. Um, they seemed to be very similar in their in their timings, in their strategies, and look according to the trackers, they kept they kept sort of overtaking each other. I, I don't think that happened in reality because I think Jessica was slightly ahead all the way. But from a from an armchair musher's perspective, it was it was a fascinating who's actually going to come across that finishing line first. Um, and I and I think to see jessica's team um as they crossed the finishing line they could it looked like they could easily have gone round again gone round again and gone round again um the other fascinating sort of thing for me was that four of the five eight dog teams all finished with eight dogs um which tells me that their strategies worked their um layover time was was used effectively and um their dogs were ready and and performed extremely well it was another very fast um very fast race and it was great to be at missinippi at the finish and see all of the teams come in within a within a fairly short time of each other we certainly had the first three teams were in within an hour of, of each other um kevin was slightly later and aiden was aiden was 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 our red lantern he finished the race um, with four dogs it was his rookie race um, the fact that he finished was tremendous um, he is part of christina gibson's uh, kennels christina unfortunately didn't finish the the 10 dog race which means they have to come back and and compete again but to see aiden actually finish was was fantastic um, and i and i think he was quite rightly really really proud of his of his achievement yeah absolutely there was there was a really tight uh, group in the top three, mm-hmm. and then a little bit farther back with Kevin and and Aiden, of course, with four dogs, obviously couldn't uh, couldn't compete with with the rest of the group. But again, it shows the determination, perseverance, and and understanding that the dogs were capable. You know, the four four dogs is the minimum. Uh, you know, for the eight dog race. And so, you know, to be able to, to go out with the minimum with a 50 mile run and know that they could do it, um, and, and did it in a reasonable time as well. Um, you know, again, I, I don't know if they could have turned around and made it all the way back, but they certainly seemed very eager when they came into the finish line in Mississippi. And he certainly was very proud as he should have been, 
um, with with that run. So pretty pretty impressive to to see that and and the level of competitiveness at the top too, um, which was great. Uh, I think um, as you look at the race as a whole, it's turned into a, a very competitive group where they can focus on a specific strategy for a pair of 50 mile runs across two days. Agreed. And I, you know, just to go off at a slight tangent, I think the the other thing that got a huge amount of, of notice in the um, eight dog race was Kevin's tuppies, his traditional dog blankets. They seem to, they seem to have a, have a, have a race of their own and a life of their own over the course of this eight dog race. Um, they featured in an awful lot of social media. They got an awful amount of, of, of notice. And, and I thought that was an absolutely brilliant, brilliant marketing strategy for our eight dog race as well. So thank you, Kevin, wherever you are. Yeah. And he also brought that, um, traditional dog blanket, um, to the awards ceremony and, and shared a little about that as well. And I, I can only imagine what that team sounded like going through the portages on the way to Mississippi, you know, with all the, the bells jingling and the, the, the dogs running and the sled across the snow. I'm sure it was incredible. Well, they certainly caused a stir, a stir and I think they probably um, raised the most social media questions of, of the whole week, actually. Um, that and the the bird print in the snow, which um, is a, is a, was another sort of highlight for me. Of, of again, it's it's a social media um, photo taken by Dexter Mondor, um, just on the edge of Lake uh, Lac Larange. Um, it, you know, we, we we run the social media throughout the week, um, and it's really interesting to see what people engage with. And, and Kevin's toppies and and the bird print seem to seem to feature um, quite highly in in what people were interested in and what they what they followed along with. Um, you know, as we move into looking at the six dog race, it it tells a, a little bit of a different story. You know, some of them are you know new to mushing you know, uh, first race, uh, relatively new to mushing in general. And then you have some, some very experienced mushers, uh, you know, first was Marcel Marin, who's been mushing for quite some time, uh, all the way from Yellowknife. And second was Anna again, quite experienced. And then our, our rookie, uh, Monroe or Musher Mo. And then we had Trevor and finishing out was Alex in the red lantern. Uh, what do you have for us on the six dog race? Well, I, 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 Marcel, uh, all si- all. Let me put my teeth in. All six dog mushers finished with six dogs. It, it when you look at the time that Marcel did that fifty mile run in, four hours twelve minutes, class of of his own really. Um, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, that that was actually the fastest fifty mile stretch of of all of the teams. Um, we were all curious as to, so, you know, what, what is he doing? Um, and a lot of us noticed that he was using um, a very different sled to uh, the traditional sled. So his sled was a really lightweight um, sled. You could pick it up with, with, with one hand. Um, you couldn't carry a, an awful lot of gear other than the mandatory gear in, on it. Um, but also he, you know, his kennel is a very small kennel. So he's using a very small team most mo- most of the year he lives in in a in Yellowknife as you said um, he lives off grid so his only mode of transport uh, is is mostly dog team um, so his dogs 
are very well trained. They are very fast. Um, they're trained on on lake, um, which is you know flat. Um, so this was a perfect race for Marcel, um, and he showed, you know, it was kind of eat my dust attitude, wasn't it? Um, Anna, again, as you said, very experienced musher. Uh, but when you again, when you look at her time, Marcel did the run in four hours twelve. Anna was six hours thirty nine. Musha Mo was only slightly behind Anna, and Musha Mo is is um, you know this was her first race she handled for Garrick last year. Um, Anna Anna fish, finished in six thirty nine, and Musha Mo was only five minutes behind her in six minutes forty four. So again, a very competitive second and third race, um, and then we had Trevor and Alex who they both finished. They were both in their first race. Um, there was probably an hour hour and a half between between the two of them um, but it, you know it was absolutely fantastic to see them all finish um, everyone was safe everybody um, I think apart from Alex everybody finished in the daylight so it was wonderful to be able to get some some brilliant photos um, but it's a very different race because it's it's kind of like a, a long distance sprint race if you like <laughs> and it was it was fun to watch and it was fun to fun to see them cross the line yeah, it it certainly was, and and Marcel's time, as you said, is is very quick. Um, you know, almost two and a half hours faster than you know the next team in the category. Yeah. But I was comparing him against some of the eight dog teams, mm -hmm. and the fastest run out of the eight dog teams was four hours thirty three. So I mean, you start to understand where that all fits in yeah. and again that that's clearly what marcel was doing and and one of the things he talked about at the awards was how it's possible to be competitive with a small team and a small kennel and uh you know certainly showed that but the the, the big item for me across the the race that i really like seeing was the multiple teams from the same kennel being able to show that you can be participate with multiple teams out of the same kennel you can be competitive with multiple teams out of the same kennel and allows more teams to be involved in the race and more dogs to be out there on the trail which was was great for me um you know it's it's discouraging sometimes to see the the number of kennels in general uh decreasing and uh really helps me <laughs> encourages me a lot to see teams multiple teams coming from a kennel that means they're able to put together another kennel and it helps to get new people out that may not have the resources to put their own kennel together and so hopefully that encourages people to to start their own journey with dogs and and we can help to continue growing the sport yeah i, I agree with you and i think uh, one one thing about the challenge is you know it's it's multiple days it's you know it's not started and run over a weekend you know we start the race on a tuesday and the racing finishes on a friday and and that you know that's a big time commitment so if you're going to make it a, a worthwhile activity for a kennels to attend if they can put multiple teams in um, that means more people can travel, more people can support, um, and it becomes a fun activity. I mean, everybody talks about the challenge being a, a community, a race community. And I think we certainly saw that last week. I can't remember when it was. <laughs> when did it happen, Dan? It was, was it a week ago or last week? I can't remember. Um, but I, I think you also hear, you know, if, if Jesse and Mary, for example, are maybe not going to come back to challenge next year, we're already hearing that perhaps both Rhonda and Andy might enter two teams. Um, so there are, 
there are options when you have more than one team from the same kennel to come and enter multiple races. And I, and I, and I think that that helps to sustain um, the, the, the musher base, but it also helps bring on people like Musher Mo. It's wonderful to see Musher Mo, to see Lane Lawton, some of the younger mushers coming through as well. Um, because again, that that helps with sustainability. Aidan and Christina, they're both they're both younger mushers. Jessica's a, a younger musher herself, and it's great to see them be part of challenge and you know shine a shine a positive focus on the race. Um, because the more teams we can attract, um, the you know the, the better the racing and the better the competition. Absolutely, and I, and I think it provides an opportunity for more people to be involved. Uh, you know, like if Andy and Rhonda, for example, if they're coming back next year, which we'd be, love to have them, yep. you know, it might produce an opportunity for somebody here in Saskatchewan to become more involved with the race because they may need someone to drive a vehicle or they may need someone to help in terms of handling. And so if anyone's interested in that, I would encourage you to reach out to us or to each kennel directly. I'm sure they would be happy to have some help, whether it's just for this race or, um, involved in the season. We do have a few kennels here in Saskatchewan that are always looking for people to come out and say hi and spend time with the dogs. So anybody looking to do that, we obviously encourage you. Um, From my perspective, as far as the race went, um, you know, there, there was a couple of moments that, that really stood out for me. Uh, You know, I, I still, (laughs) I remember the, the checkpoint at the 969 wilderness checkpoint, you know, we were there overnight and we had the teams coming in and, and trying to get some rest. And, and uh, it's where we started to see a lot of the vet care and, and, and work from mushers on trying to get dogs, um, you know, in a little better condition. And it was great to see that effort and work to make sure that the dogs were in the best shape they could be before they left. I know I watched um, Max go out several times, you know, go out and, and check on dogs, massage dogs and go, no, not ready yet. They need more time and go back in. Um, we saw the same with Mary where she was trying to manage that team, which she, I thought she did an amazing job, you know, and you know, there were about almost 77 miles into the race at that point. So you can see that coming very early. And it was great to see that um, just at that specific checkpoint where I spent a lot of time. Did you have any other sort of special moments, Dan, that you wanted to mention? I mean, as as far as the race went, I I did I didn't get to spend as much time in each of the checkpoints as as I would have liked. I had to jump ahead a little to to look after a few spots. But um, you know, Mississippi on on Wednesday night was pretty special to me. Uh, you know, we're standing out on the lake waiting for Jesse to come in and we saw Northern Lights throughout the night varying from a small amount of lights that were very bright to, you know, nearly the whole sky filled and, and dancing and moving, which was amazing and seeing the teams come in and their families. And, and that was really the, a special moment to me. Uh, you know, it's, it's an entire night, but it's, it's easy to stay awake all night. When you have that, we have teams coming in, you have family members that are excited. You have, I mean, not that many fans out at six o'clock in the morning to see a team come in when it's minus 36 or whatever it was. But that's, that's the stuff that, that I think mushers will take away from this, you know, that sort of experience. Um, and so that, that night for me was, uh, certainly one of the highlights. 
Yeah, and I think thinking back to all the podcasts you've done earlier in the year, seeing the northern lights across the lake featured in over half half of those podcast recollections. And I, I know the mushers I spoke to just talk about how awesome those lights were this year um and unfortunately i didn't get to see them but i know that jim saw them and jim photographed them so and i know we shared some of that with with um the armchair musher so so that i think they were really special in terms of kind of special moments for me really there was, there was two or three um jillian lawton took some of jerry markle's ashes on her sled with her she her, jerry's uh, wife Laurie um, gave Gillian a, a, a locket um, which Gillian actually wore um, throughout her race and I thought that was pretty special as well. Jerry never got to ride the trail as um, as a musher uh, or a competitive musher but he did get to, to go down the trail with Gillian um, this time so that, that for me was pretty, pretty special. Um, I also loved the fact that we have some schools following the race this year um, and in particular general I, I, forgive me if I pronounce this wrongly general Vanier school in Winnipeg um, the students and the teachers Wendy's one of their teacher one of the teachers there they were interacting throughout the race on social media and it was brilliant being able to answer their questions and keep them informed so for me that's that's another sort of special moment um, you know sh- sharing the race with a, a wider audience. Um, I also want to mention uh, Mary England um, because I think she she deserves it. Um, what a fantastic musher. She was the only one to complete the 300 mile uh, distance. I never saw Mary without a smile on her face. Her dog care was absolutely amazing. Um, she was recognised by the veterinarian team and I just think, you know, what a role model for, for those children that were out on the finish line. Um, what a musher, what a, what a role model. Um, kudos to her, really. So those were those were my kind of special, special moments. Um, well, I, I think Mary's accomplishment, you know, the 300-mile race in itself is an accomplishment. But to see, from my perspective, the, the challenges she went through last year, yeah. You know, not not being able to finish the the 200 mile race with a a yearling team for the most yeah. part, um, and to be able to come back with another mostly yearling team and not just complete the 300 mile, but she was very competitive in the 200 mile category as well. Yeah, uh, just speaks to the level of training and commitment, and and obviously the skill that that she possesses. It was it was impressive, and I and I hope that now she considers herself no longer a a rookie, you know, uh, she, she made a comment about that, to, you know, when she came into Mississippi the first time about, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm still learning and I'm, you know, I'm just one of the new ones here. And, and, and when she finished at the end, I said, no, you're no longer a rookie. You're, you're part of the, the experienced grizzled yeah. veterans now. <laughs> and <laughs> she didn't think that was very good, but I, I, I think that's, that's the category that she fits into now being, uh, having finished that and, and done so well with it. Agreed. I'd also just like to give a bit of a, a mention to the teams that didn't complete this year. Um, Christina Gibson, um, Max and, and Leon didn't finish, um, but I think they all deserve some recognition for actually getting to the start line um, because that's an achievement in itself. The, the miles and miles of training that you have to put on, the prep that is involved um, and you know the, the, the thinking about 
that decision as to whether or not to continue is always a really difficult one but it it isn't in a way because it's always about the the care of your dogs and and um you know weighing up all those all those options so i think christina max and, and leon uh, well done for, for for being part of the community we would love to see you back to complete the race next year um and you know safe journeys home and and, and wise decision really yeah absolutely agree i know it's it was tough um you know i, I spent time uh, you know again at the, the 969 checkpoint with all three of them mm-hmm. and seeing the the dog care and the work that they were doing at that point to, yeah. to to carry on and and i know christina in particular she had she came into 969 with seven dogs and she kept working on them, working on them, working on them. And they had a wrist in particular, I think on both of them, that was of concern. And she just kept working at it. You know, I, I can't remember how long she was there, but it was hours. And I don't think she got more than 30 minutes of sleep because she spent the whole time out there mm-hmm. working on those dogs and making sure that they had the best care. And then she'd get it, you know, take them for a walk and have the yeah. vets come and look. And it was really doing everything that she could uh, to try and get them to be able to continue. And I'm sure it was incredibly difficult to make a decision to, to leave them there and, and, and carry on. Um, I know Max and, and his kennel, they, they really struggled with getting the training in that they wanted this year. You know, they had some challenges, uh, you know, south of the border um, with vehicle. And fortunately that kind of reduced the training side. Yeah. But again, it's all part of uh, the learning experience and what's possible and and what it takes to get there and i'm sure they'll be more experienced and better prepared next time around yeah absolutely agree so um i don't know if you have more to talk about in terms of the race i know we had you know some some excellent social media interaction and some fantastic pictures um is Jim, you can share a little about what Jim has planned for some of those pictures or how people might be able to get some of them because I know he took, <laughs> I don't know how many pictures he took in total. It has to be thousands and thousands of pictures because he was out there constantly. Yep, he does have thousands and thousands and thousands of pictures. Um, we he's, he's working on the, the final sort of musher collections. He's put together, I don't know, a handful of of. of particular photos per team he's still got a couple of teams left to go Um, if anybody wants to use his photos or wants the high res version of the the, of the photos uh, if they contact the the race um, on social media we're more than happy to 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 let people have high res versions of them Um, i i think one of the you know one of one of the things that people don't see uh with 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 the race is just what goes on behind the scenes so I don't I think along with yourself Dan I think you and Jim probably got the least amount of sleep of of everybody over the race Um, whenever anybody was coming in at a a checkpoint um, at the start line at the vet checks at the awards breakfast um, Jim was there with his camera um, trying to capture some 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 pretty special moments and certainly the, the feedback on social media has been that people absolutely loved the more candid shots, people love seeing, you know, mushers we know love seeing pictures of themselves because they don't actually get ever get the chance to take photos of themselves. Um, 
the wider audience loves photos of the dogs so again we, we try, he tries to capture a you know a, a broad selection of that um the candid photos i think when you see people like jim cunningham having a snooze not that he ever snoozes um you know the broad beam of of, of of Jessica's smile. Um, there are some fantastic photos out there. So um, that again, I think is what makes the race special because we can and we do interact enormously on, on social media and via the website, um, which which I think is, you know, it helps people feel part of it. It helps families be able to follow along. The, the, the alien, the tracker alien glitches this year, I think, um, created a lot of buzz as well because people didn't know where people were and everyone was trying to find out you know what's going on um but as you said i think that was in common with a lot of the races this year with tracker with tracker challenges yeah it, it certainly is a significant effort from the entire team involved with the challenge from you know the the six of us on the board of directors to all of the volunteers that that help us at the checkpoints to the veterinarian team and their countless hours of work <laughs> to get, look after dogs and and care for dogs i mean i saw the veterinarian team looking after i think it was five or six dogs after the end of the race on friday that needed some some attention which you know is optional i believe you know, you don't have to have them look at your team when, when they're done, but it was really important to me to highlight that work that they were in there. And they had a couple of our, one of our board members, another volunteer that jumped into action with it. It was just great to see, but because they just love dogs and they want them to be, you know, as great as they can be and to look after them and, and make sure that they can run again and, and carry on. And that's, that was special to me to see that, the issues that we had with dogs were general, um, non-career threatening type stuff where, you know, a little dehydration or a sore wrist or a sore shoulder and they will race again. You know, they're more than likely most of them are, are, uh, ready for another one. So that that's, that's an important part that not everybody gets to see and is part of what makes a race like this possible. Agreed. I, you know, I just want to say thank you to the vets. Um, just to, to do a name check, really, we had Dr. Romany, Dr. Esther, Dr. Riley, Dr. Alex. Esther and Riley and Romany have all been at Challenge before uh, and they've all come back. And it sounded like uh, Alex would probably love to come back as well. Our fourth year vet students were Amber, Emma Lynn, Lucas and Steve. And just talking to the students, um, I hadn't appreciated just how popular the challenge rotation was um, and what actually happens at the university is that they have to hold a ballot um, and all the all the students who are interested get put into a ballot and and kind of you know pulled out of a hat if you like um, it's a really popular activity a popular rotation because very very rarely do the students get to put their hands on athletes of the sort 
that sled dogs are um their physiology is is different to you know to pet dogs as we know um and they learn so much from having hands on and being able to to observe to be able to talk to mushers to be able to watch the experienced vets um and i think the vet team we always pair a um a, a qualified vet with a student the vet teams were phenomenal this year um and and we owe them a, a huge debt of gratitude i think Yes, and to give people an example of this learning and the education that they're getting, I watched as one of one of the dogs had a wrist issue, and uh, I believe it was Esther was working on it, and she like found a repeatable click was the term she used, and then she got brought the student over and said, "Okay, put your fingers here, feel this, do this, do that." And it's like you saw a light bulb go on in the student's brain where they could actually see it. Mm -hmm. uh, they knew what was happening. They could feel what was there so that the next time they would be able to diagnose that themselves. I just think it's tremendous experience to be able to do it. And I agree. They, they did talk to me about how exclusive this sort of rotation is and how so many people put their name in the hat for it. And it's it's such a treat to to know that it's a sought after experience and uh, to see that Esther and, and Riley who came to the challenge as students and now are qualified vets are still coming back is, is really tremendous to me. Agreed. Long may it continue. Exactly. <laughs> so um, do you have more you want to share about uh, the challenge this year or? I've only got one other thing. Um, to, to mention and that was just to just to talk about Kevin Lewis a little bit really um, Kevin shared with us a, a, um, a privileged moment at the awards breakfast where he shared uh, a wolf a wolf song um, that it is is part of, of his heritage and culture and I just felt extremely privileged to understand a little bit more about the importance of dogs um, in, in, in tradition and, and culture and heritage. And it was fascinating listening to his tales and to understand um, why he why he was at the challenge, really. So and, and to see his traditional um, tuppies, as I mentioned earlier, it, it was wonderful to to be able to share um, the trail and the experience with Kevin um, and and his family and the people around him. So that was all I wanted to say, really, Dan. Excellent. Well, I appreciate that. I know that we're starting already to look at next year, <laughs> and it, it seems to be an immediate switch from, you know, the race is finished. Okay, now what about next year? Um <laughs> certainly with mushers we're asking if is it going to be the same and are we going to have this are we going to have that or some positive feedback on what yeah. went well or things that we can change and we're certainly going to be sending that out not just to the mushers but um i'm intending to do a bunch of that on social media as well on things that we can do because there's always room for improvement and things that we'd like to make better um so we welcome any feedback we have there we will do something a little more formal on social media as well but I really want to take a moment and thank all of our sponsors because we really couldn't do it without them. Um, you know, we had a, an amazing end to the race in Mississippi with Adventure Destinations and Thompson's Resort. Um, you know, they were our main sponsor again this year. And I, I got a lot of positive feedback on 
the experience in Mississippi, the serene and quiet environment that's up there in the winter and to be able to have a place where you can rest, relax and enjoy the North a little more at the end of the race, uh, I found to be really good. There were several teams that stuck around for an extra night or two or three after the race was over because they just seemed they just didn't want to leave. Um, so I really want to thank them for their help. Um, they also assisted in bringing in um, an experienced uh, elder who had a discussion uh, that was able at the award ceremony. So he had some wonderful things to say. So you should check that one out on social media as well. And uh, Perfectly Raw from Baldwin Feeds is a big part of us, along with Sastel and Sask Energy. And I know I'm going to dog's choice. I know I'm going to forget a few <laughs> that were involved, but really want to say thank you for that. And um, the other item that uh, that I wanted to mention before we're all done is I really want to thank the fans. Uh, you know, this is it's so nice to see the feedback on social media and uh, their involvement and that the work is that we put in to make this event what it is and all of the effort that Jim and Sarah and, and others put into social media so that the information is there and they can follow along at home. I just want to thank them for for choosing us and for following along and, and for giving us the the positive feedback. It it helps to make the, the effort worthwhile. Yeah. <laughs> so much to add <laughs> well I, I can only give you a bit of insight from you, you mentioned that um you know as soon as the race finishes you're thinking about the next race and as soon as jill and i leave the race and we have a you know it's a it's a, a very long journey back back to the kennels um we are thinking about what did we do well what do we need to improve on what did the race do well? What could the race improve on? And that starts in the vehicle journey on the way home. So I don't think we're the only team that does that, but I, I, I do think that's kind of indicative of of how of how it all works really, Dan. And it, it just means that we we learn and we build and you know we we come back better and stronger next time. And I think the race does that as well. Absolutely. And for our podcast fans, thank you for listening. We are not done. This is not the last episode. I have more interviews with Mushers planned. Uh, I'm I'm going to call her out now in advance. Musher Mo, we're coming for you. We're going to find a way to get you on here. Um, you know she doesn't speak though, don't you, Dan? You know I, I know. That's, <laughs> that's why I'm saying it now because we're going to make an effort to get her out. And if that means we need to have Garrick on again to help her or, or Dexter to talk a little, then that's what we're going to do. Because I'd love to get some perspective from some of the mushers that we didn't get a chance to talk to before the race. But I also want to get some feedback on how the race went as a new musher. What was that like uh, to try and share that so that others who are interested might be able to to pick this up and and get involved and be a part of this and so i think that that would be really important to do so we will have more episodes coming for the podcast and uh, some more interviews to do if you have some suggestions on who you'd like to hear from that you haven't already please let us know and um, on behalf of myself and sarah and um, certainly want to thank robert at darworks radio for helping us to be able to put this podcast on if you have not subscribed please do so uh, you know we will have more coming Sarah, any last words? No, nothing from me other than thank you. Excellent. And thank 
you for being here. It's been a, a treat to have you on and get your insight uh, for this episode and, and the one before the race. Uh, I, I know it's been uh, time consuming with your travels to Canada and, and back home. And so I really want to thank you for the time. You're welcome. Excellent. From all of us here at Canadian Challenge Tales, thanks. And until next time, goodbye. From First Paw Media, this is Canadian Challenge Tales. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you would give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe too. Your host is Dan Kirkup. Our executive producer is Robert Forto, created for First Paw Media. The holidays start here at Fred Meyer with a variety of options to celebrate traditions old and new. Whether you're making a traditional roasted turkey or spicy turkey tacos, your go-to shrimp cocktail, or your first Cajun risotto, Fred Meyer has all the freshest ingredients to embrace your traditions. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. New on Curiosity Stream, we've walked with dinosaurs. We've explored our prehistoric planet, and we were always told the same story. Extinction came from the sky. But what if dinosaurs survived? Amazing Dino World 2. Watch it now on Curiosity Stream. With monthly, annual, and bundle plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com.